morning as as pastor preaches to us this morning that you would open our hearts and open our minds and uh, fill us with your holy spirit and, and, the, and the message that you want us to hear today uh, we just ask it in the name of jesus amen 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 we continue today our our message series jesus is enough last week we looked at jesus what jesus accomplished in his life his death and resurrection and how it became the source of our salvation and our forgiveness. And even more, his victory over evil and death is given to us. His victory becomes our victory. So we say Jesus is enough. So now we have all we need. That was the good news that we explored last week. And hearing and believing that good news is where our relationship with God begins. And, and up until that point, you know, our relationship with God had been a one-way relationship, had been his loving us, his offering goodness to us, his blessing us, his, his offering his love to me. You know, then one day I, I hear and I respond to his love, and, and that changes everything about my life. But that's not the end. Actually, it's just the beginning. You see, God's plan for us isn't just to save us. It isn't just to, for us to experience forgiveness. It's for us to live in victory as we said last week, to, to walk in Christ. And as we walk with Christ, we're going to have to choose the right battles. We're in Colossians chapter 2 today, so if you would grab your Bible, and if you, if you need help finding it, just look in the index in the front of your Bible. And while you get there, let me tell you about something that happened to me recently. Recently, we got a bill in the mail from my doctor's office, a large bill, I called the doctor to make sure we had, in fact, received the services, and they confirmed that yes. And then I called our insurance and asked them why it hadn't been paid, and they told me, well, everything that was due to be reimbursed according to your insurance policy has been paid. Well, now, I didn't understand, because usually you, you pay the balance when you leave the doctor's office, so you don't get into this problem. Uh, so I called the doctor's office back. Only this time, I had all the statements out. What I paid, what the insurance paid, what they billed us. Everything, everything was there. It looked like everything was covered. I was locked and loaded for a fight. And when I called, of course, I was put on hold. And the whole time, I'm waiting. I'm waiting like a sprinter in the starting blocks, you know. I'm ready to explode out on whoever picks up the call in the billing department. Well, soon, a nice... Silent lady picks up, and before she can get, good afternoon, Mr. Pretty, what seems to be the trouble out of her mouth, I let her, I, I let it all out. I let her have it, you know. I finish my spiel, and she says, yes, I see the error was ours. We'll have it all corrected here today, and we'll get you a statement in three to five days showing all the corrections and your new balance of zero dollars. I'm truly sorry for the inconvenience. Is there anything else I can do to help you today? <laughs> well, I felt silly. I was ready to fight a war with the billing department, to fight a battle that had already been won. Today, we begin to transition into our walking it out. And Paul's where he, he teaches how to live out our faith. In fact, the word that he uses in the first verse here today, therefore, you know, this is clearly a transition from what we've been given in Christ to how we live it out. Over the next chapters, Paul is going to talk about it how we go about that living it out. But today he sets it up by explaining the problem with the false teachers in Colossae and the things that they were teaching. He tells the church that this is how you will know their lives. This is how you will know what to believe. 
So he starts in verse 16. Don't let anyone condemn you. Therefore, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, for not celebrating holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. The word for condemn here is, uh, is also translated in other versions to disqualify. Paul says, watch out for religious judgment because no one can disqualify you because, because of what you don't practice, because you don't practice the Jewish festivals or all the other holy days because of what, or because of what you eat or drink. See, he's talking about the Old Testament law. He's reminding the church in Colossae that the Jewish law didn't qualify anyone. That's what the Messiah did. The law's purpose was to show, was to show us, in fact, that we were unqualified. It was to show us we needed a Savior, and our Savior had given us a new law, a law that Paul talks about in Romans 6 where he says, Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you you live under the freedom of God's grace. So don't stress trying to follow the law as a prescription for life. Rather, allow it to teach you to recognize your weaknesses and to remember God's faithfulness, he says. That's what in Galatians 3, that's what he challenges the church where he says, Did you receive the spirit of the, by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish that after by beginning by the means of the Spirit, you would now try to finish by the means of the flesh? See, the law provided, provided the Jews with a way to connect with God. But as Christians, I don't need that help. I found him. We were going somewhere with my family one time, and someone in the back had their phone giving me directions as we drove. Backseat driver to the worst. I, I knew where we were going. In fact, I could see the place. And yet, there it was in the back, giving me directions. And I mean, they meant to be helpful, but it, it was really unnecessary. And if I have to be really be honest, it was annoying because I could see the place. I didn't need to be told to turn left on a one-way street, right? I didn't need to know that it was 500 yards ahead. I, could, I knew it. I could see it. So how do we respond to the ones who want to justify or judge based on religiosity. This week in our study in Romans, we study chapter 14, where Paul teaches that those who rely upon the law as a set of rules to live by, direct laws, are immature in their faith because they don't, they're not able to think. Instead, they need to be loved and cared for, welcomed, but not put in leadership, not allowed to be becoming an influencer in the church, not a teacher, but loved and taught, not judged, God is the one who judges, them and us. We all need to learn the gospel and experience Jesus, but we don't put people in a position where an immature understanding of grace can become the foundation for how everyone is expected to live and be under religious rules. So religion is one area where, of following Jesus that we must be prepared to walk in the victory that Christ has provided. The second area is spirituality. Now you're probably thinking, these are two strange things. But, but spiritual people should be in positions of authority, you would think, right? Well, let's look at how Paul teaches it in Colossians 2. He says in verse 18, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They're puffed up 
with idle notions of their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. And that, he's talking about Christ. You've probably come across people like this before. But Paul gives a special warning for the church to watch out for them, he says. The worship of angels was, was something the false teachers were, were proclaiming because it, was, it gave them a special knowledge from God. A lot of people today are fascinated by angels. I think because, well, if I had to say, because they're desperate for hope and willing to hold on to anything that shows even a glimmer of hope, even if they have to make up experiences or enhance experiences, spiritualize them. I get being desperate for hope. It's one thing to do that for yourself, but it's something completely different to use what your personal experience to influence others, to lead others. Then that's what's going on here. And it's related to the false humility. And what is that? Well, I looked it up. Humility is having a modest opinion of yourself or, or your own importance. Being humble is not believing you're inferior to others. No, humble people fully appreciate their own gifts and their talents, but they don't lift themselves up above others. False humility, on the other hand, is, is pridefulness in disguise. We practice false humility when we intentionally devalue ourselves or our contributions in an attempt to appear humble. Examples of this might include uh, deflecting praise. We truly deserve. Oh, don't thank me. Or or fishing for compliments to draw attention to ourselves. You know, I, I spent all night on that. Or, or humble bragging. That, that's talking about how humble we are, right? Falsely portraying helplessness or, or lack of power. Or self-deprecating humor. We, we've seen false humility, right? I mean, we, we've probably even been guilty of it from time to time. But combined with spirituality, this becomes spiritual pride. And Paul is warning against this type of, this type of false humility, these false teachers. See, the problem is that spiritually prideful people will make you feel inferior when in reality you are complete in Christ. But they can't help it because of their desire to be first, their desire to be in a position of influence. They want to be an influencer, but, but they don't even, they're not even connected to Christ, to the head. In Colossae, they were the ones who, who talked about hearing from the Lord or seeing visions, but they weren't even connected to Christ. People like that will certainly lead you in the wrong direction. So watch out for spiritually pride, prideful people. I don't know if that's the right way to say that or not. Years ago, there was a guy who started coming to church with me who, who knew the Bible like nobody's business. He could, tell, he could quote scripture, chapter and verse. It was impressive. He referred to himself as a prophet. Well, one Sunday, actually, I believe it was Palm Sunday, he said the Lord had told him, that the, our traditional Palm Sunday parade with the kids, with, which had him in the role of Jesus that year, needed to go into the sanctuary during worship in order to, to wake those people up. It was our 11 o'clock traditional service where many of our older members, folks who had been faithful in the church for years, who gathered there for worship. See, he hadn't seen their service. He hadn't been a part of their ministry. So he thought all they did was come to church on Sunday and then go home. Besides, the Lord had told him so. Well, he went on in, and, and many of us saw through his spiritual pride that day. So how can you tell who has this false humility, this spiritual pride? 
if you listen to how they speak, it's going to sound, it, it sounds right. I mean, they'll even use scripture. But the real question is, do they have the evidence of Christ-centered spirituality? Paul describes that in Galatians 5, where he says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. With Christ as our head, we submit to his power and authority as he is the head of the church. And he imparts to his disciples these gifts. Then, where the spiritually prideful wants to be the one, you know, the one where everybody has to go through, the spiritual, spiritually healthy folks encourage others to lead. They aren't threatened by others taking responsibility. In fact, they, they seek to be in the right position of, of service, of helping others make decisions. They labor to see others grow as God causes them to grow, Paul, using Paul's words. The spiritually humble people, they, they have surrendered to Christ and are living to glorify him. They live in his victory. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't need to listen to others. I mean, if a brother or a sister in Christ tells me that I'm out of line, then, then maybe I'm out of line. I need to check my heart and, and see if there is sin in me. Then I praise God for their sharing with me. But if they tell me they have a special way for me to be closer to Jesus, if they say the Lord spoke to them about you, but he hasn't spoken to you, then you need to check into it some more. See, in order to recognize religious or spiritual errors, we need to know God's word. We need to know his promises. We need to know what Jesus has done and how he wants to shape our life. Because when I get to know Jesus, I don't get caught up in these, these errors because I'll see them for what they are. That's how Paul concludes this transitional passage that we're in today. He concludes in, in verses 20 to 23. He says, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of, God, of the body, but they lack any value in restraining the sensual indulgence, our, our sinful heart. We all want to be free from a desire to sin, don't we? I mean, I think anyone, everyone who loves Jesus, who has experienced his grace, wants to live a holy life. So if that holy life isn't found in religious practices developed by human minds, then where do we go? How do we conquer the evil desires? How do we conquer sin? We don't. He did. We simply walk in his victory. We live in the victory that he has won. We walk with Jesus. Jesus won. Don't forget that. And in Christ, you don't have to live by human efforts to be religious. You can now live empowered by his spirit in obedience to the law of grace, a law that changes your life, victorious, where sin has no power over you. So you can get to living. You can stop fighting battles that have already been won. You don't have to try to earn what Jesus has done. You just live in obedience to the spirit of God. Since there have been no uh, sports on TV, I've been watching sport movies lately after Michelle goes to bed. The other night I saw one that I've never seen before, The Express. It's a true story about Ernie Davis and the, uh, the national champion 
uh, Syracuse football team back in the 1960s. It was a great story. Syracuse showed up to play in, a, in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas against Texas, right? Syracuse, they had three black players. This was a big deal back in 1960. And as you, you may already know, a huge fight broke out just before halftime as, as Syracuse was leading the game. I think it was 15 to nothing. It, it was ugly. Davis, Ernie Davis was injured, but, but Syracuse looked unstoppable in the game. In the locker room, the coach, Ben Schwartzwalder, I believe his name was, he gave a powerful speech that fits right in with Paul's text today. He said this, he said, I had a halftime speech all planned out. It seemed like a pretty good one too, up until about 10 minutes ago. It was all about victory, champions, and glory. But this isn't just a game anymore. We're fighting something else out there on that field. And I can see just as clearly as you. And that's why winning this one means nothing if you lose yourselves. He went on, don't give this one away. Keep it. Hold on to it for yourselves and for everyone in this room. It's here. It's right here. And no one can take it from you, gentlemen. Not the officials, not the crowds, and certainly not the other team. It belongs to you, gentlemen. Don't let anyone steal history away from you. And my goosebumps were standing up. See, where the coach was referring to the history here, I say Paul is talking about the future. Our future with Christ that has been secured. So keep it. Hold it, protect it, defend it. You've, you've already won. When it comes to faith in Christ, you win. Don't give the victory away to people who are in a, with an agenda other than the glory of Christ. If you want to know your future, it's secure like Paul did. It begins with surrendering him to him today. God has been chasing you all your life, wanting you to turn back to him. Why don't you give him your heart today? Just pray a prayer like this. Just pray, Lord, I want to know that my future is secure in you. I want to have a hope that passes all understanding. I want to have your joy in the midst of my difficulties. I want Jesus' victory over sin and evil to be alive in me. Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you for forgiveness for all my past mistakes. I ask you, God, to help me to live this new life that you make possible. Teach me so I can grow up in my faith. Thank you for making me new. Use me for your glory. I am yours and you are mine. And I love you. I love you. I love you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, then I want to say welcome to the family of God. You are a new creation. And you, you may not feel like it in this moment, but you are. God is working in your life. So pay attention. That's the word that many of us need right now, to pay attention. Many of us have been following Jesus a while and, and may have gotten taken in by one of these either religious judgmentalism or the spiritual pride. We go around looking for signs, looking for direction, looking for courage maybe. We too often get caught up in the spirituality or religiosity of others, looking to those folks as our influencers instead of Jesus. Whether you were a victim or you were the one responsible, it's time to grow up in Christ, to be rooted and built up in the gospel as Paul says. Today is the day to remember your first love, the one who loved you first. There are many words of our founder, John Wesley, that are very well known, but, but there's a few that, that today that I want to share with you that are very powerful. He said this, he said, I'm not afraid of the people called Methodists would ever cease to exist, either in Europe or America, 
but I am afraid lest they should only exist as a dead sect, having the form of religion without the power. And this is undoubtedly what will occur in the case unless they hold fast both to the doctrine, spirit, and discipline with which they were first set out. That's our desire. Pray with me today that we would become spiritually mature, that we would hold on to that that we first set out, that Lord, you can see that we're tempted to follow words and ideas that were not from you. We ask you to forgive us for allowing ourselves to get distracted, living as though we had to accomplish something that you had already done, that we were fighting a fight that you had already won. Lord Jesus, teach us, fill us with your spirit to teach and mature us in the faith, that we would become influencers in our church and community, but influencers of love and truth. Thank you, Jesus, for doing this in us. What we have been able to do, thank you for dying that we might live, that we might live for you. Amen. 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 And that's a good amen. Jesus is up to something here. I want to thank you for worshiping with us today. If you have a prayer request or a, or a need, please contact me either through our social media directly or through our office. All that information is on our website, yourrockhall.church. Now, I'd like to close with our benediction. Life is much more than an accident. Wherever you go, believe that God needs you there. Wherever you are, trust that God has put you there, that he has a purpose for you being there. Christ, alive in you, wanting to do something through you, no matter where you are. Believe this and go in his grace and his love and his power. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a fantastic week. I uh, can't wait to see you soon. Uh, know that I am praying for you. Uh, and if there's anything I can ever do to help you in your walk with Christ, please don't hesitate to let me. All right? God bless you. Uh, we'll talk soon. Love you. Bye. -bye.